Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to another installment of the Gist for Freedom of Faith. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Good evening, everyone. My name is Preston Washington. Your host. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Leslie Giss. Uh, we're waiting for Mr. William Jackson to call in. He'll be talking to us about bullying, and uh, bullying is a hot topic right now because of the debacle that's going on in the locker room of the NFL team called the Dolphins, uh, Miami Dolphins. So I think we have William on the line. William, is this you? Yes, it is. Okay, great. Could you just introduce yourself to the um, audience? You know, you've been on here several times as a guest and a host. So let everybody know who you are. Yes, ma'am. Well, I'm glad to be here. My name is William Jackson. I am a teacher with Duval County Public Schools in Jacksonville, Florida. I teach at a STEAM school. And for those that don't know, STEAM is science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. And I teach the engineering and technology part. So I'm at a kindergarten through fifth grade elementary school. And um, that's, that's what I do. I also blog, and I enjoy speaking to young people and young adults about bullying and cyberbullying and uh, safety on uh, social media. Okay. Now, how did you get involved with this bullying topic and you've been talking about it for months and years right exactly what you for quite a quite a while because you know the the incidence of bullying has unfortunately increased in a lot of schools and school districts and it's it's a reflection of a lot of things that's going on in, in society and in the past it used to be played off as you know some type of rite of passage or kids playing around or joking and and all that kind of stuff, but gradually it has grown into where it's serious about kids actually committing or attempting suicide. And just watching the kids at my school, I started doing a lot of research about it and reading about it and uh, writing blogs about it as well. And the more I got information about it, the more in-depth you know, I got about you know, learning about bullying and cyberbullying and how it's affecting kids in different communities. So it's, it's one of my passions just to educate parents about it. Could you give us um, some stories, some headliners that have recently been in the news? I know in New Jersey we had a young man out of Rutgers who his roommate had filmed him and put it all over the Internet, him uh, engaged with a homosexual act, and uh, it led right. to this young man killed himself. So right. that happened here in New Jersey. What incidents have taken place in your area out in Florida? Well, in Florida, there have been several. One of the most recent cases uh, here 
last Florida, I'll start with last school year, was an incident where a young lady um, in middle school in the eighth grade, she was uh, designated as um, a serial buller, bullier by a circuit court judge because the incident that happened was she had continuously been bullying kids in school. And what she would do is when she started harassing and bullying kids, and just so everybody understands, the interpretation or understanding of bullying, if it's continuous harassment, uh, continuous emotional and psychological, not just physical harassment, but when it's continuous and it's ongoing and it disturbs the learning atmosphere, that's what bullying is. It's not like one occasion or two occasions, but it continuously happens. Well, this young lady had been known by the students to be a bully because she had other kids recording what she was doing. So she would set the kids up to where she would bully them, and then she would start fights with them, and then they would record it and post it online and social media. Well, it just happened an incident where a so-called friend of hers, um, they lured her off campus to a local convenience store, and when she got there, they lured her to the back of the store, and basically through the video you could see where the girl punched her in the face, threw her on the ground, was kicking her, and just really inflicting an assault on the young lady. Then she picked up the young lady and slammed her face into a concrete wall, and the young lady that was assaulted developed a skull fracture, and ultimately 911 um, was called and she had to be taken to the hospital. And the young lady that that assaulted her was arrested and is going through the court process now where they're trying to, because she still is a juvenile, trying to charge her um, as a third, trying to charge her as a third-degree felony because of her continuous bullying of other students as well. And they had the documentation as well. So it's looking at what she did, her past history. So the bully actually escalated. Uh, her activity right. till she hospitalized somebody. Yes, yes, yeah. Wow. And and it, and that incident has has created a firestorm because not just is it the school involved now, but it's the courts because the judge that gave her that title, serial bully, has seen other evidence and reports that she was bullying other kids. So not only did he designate her with that term, but also he banned her from attending Duval County Public Schools for that year and for this year as well because he thought of her as such a threat that no one was, was you know, safe from her at her school. So even if they deemed that they could move her to another school, he felt that that wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't help. So it opened up a real discussion about where do you draw the line in that situation with allowing kids to go back to school or be admitted at school or just, you know, expelling them or putting them out of school. So let's back, back this up. Um, most of us have grown up and have been bullied one time or another in school. I'm four foot ten, so um, I had my share. Um, tell, tell us, you know, what is your personal experience with bullying and how did your parents address it? Well, my personal thing was, I, yes, I was bullied in middle school, and I was real little in middle school. And, you know, here you got kids, you know, twice my size, you know, seventh and eighth grade. I was quiet, you know, laid back, but then you had other kids um, that were more outspoken 
And because I was so quiet, because of my size, I was bullied and I was continuously harassed. Now, I didn't tell my mom because it was a pride thing. You know, here I am a boy. You know, I shouldn't be having these problems. But the way I styled, eventually I got tired of it. And because I got Mm -hmm. tired of it, um, in gym class, you know, the boys came up on me again and started pushing me and calling me names. So I got tired and punched two of them in the face. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say anything, but, I, you know, I did what I felt I needed to do was defend myself. And it's real interesting, like, when things like that happen, you know, it happens in slow motion. You really don't believe that you did something like that. But I mm-hmm. was amazed myself that I had to react that way. And it didn't result in a fight fight, but it resulted in they're looking at me like, and, and I, I, I can see it like today. They're looking mm-hmm. at me like, I really didn't believe that you did that. But the result right. was, since I did fight that, they left me alone. But unfortunately, right. in a lot of cases, that's that's not the case. Unfortunately, in most cases, it escalates from there. So at that particular time, when that happened, they, they knew that, you know, I had enough. I didn't want to be bothered with them anymore. I was defending myself, and that was it. Well, um, now let's move on towards... Um, the hazing. I recently, you know, I, I opened up uh, by talking about the Dolphins locker room in the NFL. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they try to uh, describe it as a hazing incident. Many people go on to college uh, and they're hazed to join fraternities and sororities. Let's back it all the way up to the beginning of HBCUs after the Civil War, where African Americans adopted this. Um, Ritualistic uh, fraternity hazing right. ritual. Do you know anything about why why would black people, specifically black people, coming out of slavery, which is brutal enough, would want to engage in something like hazing? Well, doing doing some research about the hazing aspect. Initially, the the hazing was not as and I don't want to use, I don't want to use the word violent, um, but the hazing was used to see if that person was serious about being a part of an organization, whether it's a fraternity, whether it's a sorority. Did you really want to do what you needed to to, to do to be a part of that sisterhood, to be a part of that brotherhood? And you know that goes along with. Um, what are you willing to sacrifice to be a member of us, to be a brother, to be a sister? And I think during the course of of the years, it has just cycled to the point of, you know, the beatings, um, the mistreatment, you know, in some cases making a person do something that's demeaning and degrading. So you have to prove yourself. It's like a rite of passage that you have to prove that you actually are worthy or that you're earning your right to be a part of this organization. And, and you know, in some research, um, if you really research it and go look at documentation, it does show that because of what happened during slavery, and quite a few people discount this, but if you look at the facts and the information, are you proving yourself worthy, a member of an organization, and are you emotionally and psychologically strong enough to pass over to be accepted by us because it's like, okay, once you prove that is so, you're a member of the brotherhood and you're a member of the sisterhood and you've proven 
that, you know, you'll do whatever is necessary to be a part of our organization. Now, I know that you're a Christian. Um, how does that sit, uh, this hazing, and proving that you should sacrifice something in order to be accepted by another human being, somebody who has, uh, you know, who's your equal? Mm-hmm. Uh, how does, you know, what do Christians think about this sort of um, sacrificial ritual in order to be accepted into a group? And a secret society well, attack. Right. Well, during the course of history, you know, of the of the thousands of groups and organizations that are out there, and I'm not going to name any specific group. I'm not going to name any specific organization um, for that because I'm, I'm I'm not knowledgeable of any other specific groups or organizations that I could mention. But when you look at history, each organization, each group had some type of hazing ritual something that you had to go through to be a member, whether um, it's an initiation where you had to memorize um, a verse, whether it's um, some kind of activity or action that you had to do in the community. Um, Even when you read the Bible, you know, the Bible, um, you have to accept and you have to acknowledge certain things in the Bible to be accepted as a Christian or, or earn that right to be a Christian. And there's certain I'm a little confused with that. I'm, I've read the Bible, not the entire Bible, right. but I've never heard of uh, these rituals. And I'm glad she mentioned it because I've noticed that many of the churches, in order to become a member, they want you to take a bunch of courses. And it seems as though the the uh, hazing and, and the same uh, rituals that take place in the sororities and fraternities have now mm-hmm. eased into the church with uh, right. Becoming a, you know, taking courses in order to right. be accepting. I don't know anywhere in the Bible where uh, Jesus said you had to do so certain things in order to be saved. Most times the people came to him, as in the instance of the woman who touched the hem of his garment. Um, mm-hmm. He said, it's by your faith you have been saved, you know. So, right. And there was, well, one there was the no things, ritual. Right. Well, one of the things, and I'll, I'll just I'll just briefly address the church. Um, mm-hmm. From my experience being a part of my church that I'm a part of now, West Friendship Baptist, and a couple other churches that I was a member of, the um, the reason that you take classes is classes are is not just not just the fact that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that you understand that. He did die on the cross. He rose after three days. But it's the reason why he did what he did and the ramifications of his actions and how it affects your life. Classes are designed to teach you about not just the history of Christianity, but the development of people through the Bible, the trials and tribulations that they have gone through to be a better Christian and also to teach others the correct word, the right word, um, how to deal with certain situations in your life. So as you're reading through the Bible, there are various lessons that you learn. So if you experience certain things in your life, then these are the actions that you could take or should take to overcome those challenges. Now, on the other side, you know, some organizations have taken the Bible as a basis or foundation for their organization but the hazing in some cases is, is taken to an extreme level 
where they feel, well, if we can beat you 50 times and you still want to be a part of our organization, then we'll accept you. Or if you can go through the community and let's say help 50 people, you know, randomly and, you know, show evidence that you're um, you're humble and you have humility and you have compassion for people, we'll let you in our organization. So each organization had this particular guidelines, but from my opinion, is like that person that wants to be a part of an organization really has to look at how that organization will benefit them and will benefit their community. What benefits mm-hmm. are they going to have for that organization? Because when you become of it, yes, it's a brotherhood and yes, it's a sisterhood, but you have to look at just beyond it. What are they doing in the community? What are they teaching you? Because once you become a part of it, that means your family is also a part of it as well. So what you're involved in ultimately affects your family as well. So you have to determine is that a good thing or is that a bad thing. Now, with the hazing, you're going through hazing along with other people. And, of course, not everybody's going to make it through because, you know, unfortunately people have a certain level of strength of will or, or physical strength or strength of power. But you have to make that determination. Is that what you really want to sacrifice to be a part of? And what positive things are they doing in the community or, or going to do in your life? So when we look at these television shows, these reality shows where um, you have people uh, going through hazings, like um, uh, name some of those shows, um, Survivor. Uh, right. A few of them on TV that the people have to eat worms or do crazy things to win a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, this message of I'm not going to reward you or accept you as a human being unless you do something, you know, outrageous. Right. Um, I think it's it's in every aspect of the society and it has everything to do with the youngsters being, um, you know, bullied in school. So if your teachers have been hazed right. in college, they're going to look at this playground hazing totally they're going to be desensitized because maybe they have been abused when they pledged uh, right. in a fraternity or sorority. So mm-hmm. we, we're getting more and more, I think, colder towards one one another. And right. I think this is why we're starting to see a, a, a serious um, increase in bullying because a lot of the people who are connected to you, to the youth, are being being uh, abused in some form or fashion um, when they go through these same rituals, you know. Right. Um, let's talk about the incident, the dolphins. Tell uh, the audience what you know about this. Story. Well, in the locker room, it's interesting, in a football locker room, and um, for the guys that have played football, there is, You there?
You there? I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I'm here. Okay. Well where we left off at was I was asking you what did you know about the um the uh Dolphins case. Right. With um Richie Richie Incognito, um, when he filed that grievance against the Miami Dolphins, um, against his teammate, that just basically showed that, that he at that time, did not feel that he was being treated fairly, um, that he was accepted um, by his teammate Jonathan Martin and respected. So, you know, all teams, you know, in a lot of cases do have their own way to um, haze or an initiation, but I just feel that um, Mr. Incognito just felt that, you know, it was beyond just a hazing effort. It was It, it was beyond just a, a ritual or tradition that, you know, the things that he was experiencing, he should not have had to, he should not have had to go through. Mm-hmm. So one of the things now is like, okay, the key word is bullying. So situations, you know, even in the NF, a lot of times you don't hear about a lot of things that's going on because it's, it's usually not, it's usually not reported. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a, uh a series of um, black fraternities. In fact, um, here in New Jersey, we had a Rutgers um, women's basketball coach, Vivian uh, Stringer. Her her nephew died. He was a football player. Um, I don't think it had anything to do with hazing, but it had. It was like they felt it was abusive power as far as them um, having too many practices in the heat. Um, but we, we look at the different types of, uh, I would say, interactions between the coaches and uh-huh. the players. Uh, on the Rutgers team, the, the uh, coach was fired because he was caught on tape physically abusing and verbally abusing his uh, players. Um, right. You know, when, you know, when does this stuff stop? You know, when does he reach the line or cross the line and say, you know, I'm a grown woman or man. I'm now 20-something years old. I'm considered grown. I'm playing for college or I'm now a professional. You know, when does this stop? When do we all grow up I, I, and say? Right. Well, if you look at if you look at the past, and, and I'll just use my experiences. When I was in college, um, mm-hmm. when I attended college, the coaches – even on the track team and football team, because of their past experiences, and quite a few of them were in the military, still had that military um, tradition or that military experience um, to teach you 
but also at the same time, if you weren't doing what you were supposed to be doing or if you were kind of slow and you weren't stepping up, you know, who hasn't heard a coach use profanity? Um, who hasn't hold, heard a coach call you out your name? But when it ex- escalates to actual um, physical altercation or emotional bullying or psychological bullying, you know, that's where it should the line should be drawn. And, yes, we looked at athletes in college as adults, but we also have to understand that, that we may look at them as adults, but in a lot of cases they're still young adults. They're not truly adult adults because they're in their early 20s. They're still learning about life. They're still learning about their talents and their abilities. They're still trying to get their their psychological makeup and their emotions to mature to the part to the point where they can be progressive in society. So they're still in school. So the the pressure to win and the background experiences are some of the things that push coaches to where they feel that they have to do that to push their athletes. Now we're talking about now a new generation. And when I say new generation, let's say from like five years ago, the kids that are coming up now, they are not motivated by verbal confrontation. They're not motivated by profanity. They're they're motivated by, you know, success. They're motivated by, you know, other intrinsic values. Like a lot of kids now when they're in school and you ask them when they're playing football, what are their dreams to be in the NFL? So they'll do whatever they need to do to be in the NFL or the NHL or the NBA. And the same with the young ladies. They want to play um, in the Women's Basketball Association. So they have their goals and aspirations, but I think now is the time for coaches to really understand that the old school way of coaching has to stop because the kids in these generations, they don't think like that. They already have the talent and the ability, so coaches more or less have to be facilitators and teachers and, and mentors and role models to get them to where they need to get to as opposed to in some cases, coaches looking at the dollar signs from ESPN. Okay, if we get on ESPN, you know, the school will get $100,000 or whatever. So they have to look beyond the monetary value. Could, yeah. could you imagine uh, our leaders that uh, got us out of slavery getting involved with this type of, you know, conduct? Uh, can you imagine uh, Harriet Tubman being hazed or Frederick Douglass or Matt Turner? Henry Garnett. Well, you know what? The, the interesting thing about the, the thing about that is they weren't worried about being hazed. They were actually worried about being killed. <laughs> that right there in and of itself is worse. So, you know, when you're talking about Harriet Tubman, she was trying to free people from slavery. And her uh-huh. thing was like, and, you know, it's a great quote that she has. She could have freed more if they understood that they were actually slaves. So here you go to the mental aspect as well. You have to know that you're a slave also in order to want to be free from slavery. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of like, okay, mentally, where are you? And we have coaches, you know, that, that may use harsh ways to mentally toughen up people, but in this day and age, the bullying and the harassment, you know, that's not the way to go because there are too many kids now committing suicide and killing themselves over like the young lady in um in Florida, um in Winter Haven that jumped off the um construction site and killed herself because she mm-hmm. was continuously harassed by up to fifteen other girls 
um, through physical bullying and, and emotional, psychological, and cyberbullying, and she couldn't take it. Now, have you ever coached? I, I, I heard you said that you played, but did you ever coach in youth leagues? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay, I guess we're going to uh, end the show on that note. It seems as though, oh, wait a minute, he's back. Yep, here we are. (laughs) William, what is going on with your phone? Oh, I don't know. I was just talking, and next thing I know, I'm like, hey, what's going on? We were really in that you know, discussion about the bullying, but we're going to keep going. We're not going to let it stop. Yes, I was I was yeah. asking you, uh, did you coach? I coached for eight years, immediately. And, um, you know, I coached, I think they were seven years old to 14. And uh, I can't imagine um, doing the things and, and, and making these kids uh, do crazy things outside of the sport itself. Um, and, you know, it was all about working as a team, accepting everyone, finding some way to make make everyone part of the team, finding some little talent right. if it wasn't uh, nothing but uh, uh, being a good cheerleader on the pitch, but making everyone feel like they're worthy um, just because they're on our team. Uh, so to say that, you know, as an adult, that um, you may have skills, but if you don't uh, go get my breakfast, then you're not worthy of being on the team. It's about right. it's about your skill level and how decent you treat people and how you how you can accept a win or a loss. So um, uh, let's wrap this up with um, incognito. I read something online. I posted on your Facebook. Did you get a chance to read it about his oh, background? Yeah. Okay, I'll let you yeah. do the talking. Explain what I'm talking about. Well, you go ahead and lead off, and I'll, and I'll just enhance okay. what, you're talk, what right. you're saying. So that way, that, right. so that way um, go ahead. Okay, it says, in previous interviews with reporters, Incognito and his father, and his father indicated other students ridiculed him for being overweight as a child, especially during sixth grade. His father, Richie, a Vietnam vet, told NFL.com that he gave his son advice. If you let anyone give you a blank, now you're going to take blank your entire life. It's a common cycle for victims of various kinds of, of abuse, including bullying. Those who suffered often repeat the abuse themselves, especially when they accumulate power over others when they get older. So right. as a teacher, um, do you see this in the playground? And from your experience as an adult now, 
Have you witnessed bullies from your playground years turn into worse bullies as an adult? Oh, yeah, and even even talking to adults. And I'm glad when you read that, that you said the word power because bullying is a way to project power over someone and take that power or take the feelings of power away from someone. So if you can project power or control over a person and make that person feel like they don't have any power at all, you ultimately you ultimately can control that person. And, you know, in schools, unfortunately, if a child is overweight, they will get bullied, they, they will get called names. But then you have other instances where you have kids that may be a little bit thinner than everybody else, um, not as fast, um, don't have the athletic ability, they get teased as well. So here you have, you know, one extreme where you're overweight, the other extreme where you may be considered underweight, but it's just a reference to power, how much power a person can have over you. And when I talk to kids, when I, you know, do bullying and cyberbullying workshops, my main thing is developing self-esteem within yourself first. You have to be confident in who you are and your abilities and capabilities. And that also means that if you're thinking positive and want to do positive things, you need to hang out with people that are positive as well. Because in this world, it's like, okay, who runs the world, the geeks and the nerds? Because right. they want to learn. They want to experience different things, not just not just the technology aspect, but reading and learning and being involved in life and understanding how things work and where the world is going. And more kids need to understand that that, that is direction to go because it benefits you in the future, not to say that you want to take power from somebody and you want to be a bully because ultimately it's going to come back to haunt you because now nationally there are laws against bullying and cyberbullying. And, mm-hmm. you know, it could come up to the fact where if you're convicted, that may be a third-degree felony mm-hmm. because of the act. Well, now it seems like the, the victims are coming back and retaliating with guns. You know, right, We exactly. did witness that with exactly. Columbine. Columbine was the first mass one of the first mass school shootings, and it seems right. like it hasn't stopped since. Right. Um, what, yeah. you, what did it's you learn from Columbine? Yeah. One of the things that, as a teacher, and I... Hmm? I was just going to say, would you just remind the audience when we, taught, when we say Columbine, what we're talking about? Oh, Columbine was the high school where the um, students, and I can't remember how many were killed, um, were shot at the high school, and the young person that went through um, had several weapons, and the reason was because they were bullied and then they were harassed because they looked different, they spoke different, they didn't fit the norm of the school. And when it was finally investigated and the conclusions were that they were bullied and harassed because they did look the norm of the school. And they were like, the football players harassed them because they weren't athletes. Um, the other students harassed them because, uh, from what I read, they were members or had a group which embraced wearing the dark, the black coats and the, and the makeup and the dark makeup and all the other things that go with that. So they had their own little group where they were a collective organization, collective group, kids together. They accepted each other but the other people around them didn't accept them, so they were harassed. 
And um, a couple of them lashed out because they got tired of being bullied and harassed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, across the country, you know, this has grown to be a problem. You have honor students as well that are harassed and bullied. And, you know, there have been a couple of cases where they've come to school with weapons to protect themselves from being harassed and bullied. But when they're caught, you know, they're arrested and put out of school. And here their future is, is you know, trashed and destroyed because they were just trying to protect themselves. So for me as a teacher, I try to make sure I, I understand the dynamics of my classroom. So if I'm walking down the hall and I see a student that looks a little distressed, that looks a little out of place, you know, I make the effort to try to talk to them, ask them, how you doing, you know, what's going on, how's your day going. And I and I have the advantage because I teach all the students kindergarten to fifth. So I can develop a relationship where I can see someone maybe that's off cue or, you know, just not quite there during a particular day or something and their behavior is a little bit different. So I make the effort to talk to that student and more more teachers and administrators really should look at the total dynamics of your school. And if there are kids that are, their behavior is a little bit different, they need to take the effort to really talk to that student. Now, it may not be anything extreme, but at least you made that effort to find out, you know, to make sure that they're okay. Well, I want to thank you for, um, you know, being a part of our show again. And as always, I know I could count on you to come on as a guest, as a host, uh, and I really do appreciate it. You're truly a friend to um, the Gist of Freedom. Uh, in closing, please give all of your information, your contact information, in your last parting words. Okay. Uh, my contact information is uh, people can contact me through my blog, and my blog is called My Quest to Teach, and it's on WordPress. So it's myquesttoteach.wordpress.com, and all my contact information is there and my blogging information as well. So I, I blog extensively about bullying and cyberbullying. And I like to provide solutions, not just to talk about incidents, because we have to find it solutions to help our young people. And I enjoyed being on the program. As you know, I always like talking to you and sharing information with the community, and and you're doing an awesome job. And I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing because a lot of people are benefiting from your work. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And um, we have another show I want you to call up and help me out with it at 8 o'clock, and that's uh, www.blackhistoryblog.com. Three four seven three two four five 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 two, and that'll be a good night, and we'll talk soon. Okay, thank you. Enjoyed it. Bye bye.